You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome back. So I'm going to begin the show with just a little technical update, seeing as I have managed to get my podcast, I guess that's what you call a taped show, up on my website, and it actually works. Yay! Although today I somehow managed to crash the email. Anyway, (laughs) okay, so on today's show, um, we're going to take a closer look at our forays into watching the planets and what they're doing each day. Using the moon as she is the fastest and can highlight what we've covered so far. But I'm going to first do a wee bit of a review and add in a little more from ancient astrology. So as you can imagine, our first observable phenomena is day and night. In ancient times, they made note that certain planets indicated more positive events when they were above the horizon during the day, and there and that dayness is called diurnal sect and other planets were happier when when they were above the horizon which is known as nocturnal sect when you begin to track the moon's passages on a daily basis you'll see that the moon is happiest at night and her team is mars and venus and they want to be on the same side as the moon for maximum benefit During the day, the sun, of course, is happiest, and she wants her team, Jupiter and Saturn, on the same side of the horizon as her, which would be above the horizon. Are you ready? In a day chart, the moon and her team will want to be below the horizon, and the sun and his team will want to be below the horizon in a night chart. With this split also comes masculine and daytime planets, and feminine are considered nighttime planets. The ancients also noticed if the planets were looking at each other. The aspects, which I gave a starter description in episode number two, back to the moon. So we track the moon's daily motion. We add in the knowledge that as she looks to certain planets, she can indicate positive outcomes or neutral or negative outcomes. For example, on Saturday's show last week, as I started my show, the moon conjoined Mars during the daytime. We can conclude that the moon in a day chart conjoining Mars, both would have actually preferred to have been at night, but at least they are together because they are of the same sect. So neither one of these planets are happy during the day. They are both of as I said, the nighttime, but they are together. So one could consider that the releasing of Mars energy by the moon has some limits on it. If this aspect had happened at night, we could expect a happier outcome. Next question, do these two want to be together? That depends on what your situation requires. The moon here in a daily transit action releases the planet it aspects. With Mars, that is energy. And in a daytime, Mars is a negative indicator. So negative outcomes. Um, You know, somebody goes off, (laughs) like I can occasionally. Anyway, I would say the release is negative, but moderated a tiny bit. And that's because um, it's with the moon and they are of the same sex. So not quite so bad. Negative energy from Mars would happen in a day chart, maximum negative energy, if it was aspecting Saturn, Sun, and Jupiter above the horizon. And these little notes, you might eventually want to kind of go back over the shows and kind of make some notes about this as you, as we get to the next section in this particular episode. The moon, its team leader, is below the horizon if your head is spinning, so is mine. What I am talking about is qualitative, not quantitative effect, and you guessed it, there are other considerations to be added into this mix. This brings me to another component of my daily forecast section that I do every week, 
<clears throat> you will hear that I mention what degree range a particular aspect is in. I list a couple of degrees because of the fudge factor, which does operate in this context. I do this as a shout out to those who have their own chart and can check to see if a particular aspect will trigger positions in their chart. Why might you want to do this? Well, the planets out there today make aspects to each other, yes, and if they happen to be doing that dance in the area of the sky that corresponds to where the planets were when you were born, well, you might get personally affected, and that can be useful to know. This also can help in understanding why some transiting planets do not affect you. Transiting, I'm not sure if I've used that word before. The definition is what you call a planet moving in the sky at this or any moment. If it's moving, it's transiting. And what is it transiting? Specific degrees of the tropical zodiac. Knowing where the aspects that those transiting planets are making to your chart gives an idea of what you might expect and here, let's, let's use an example from the Canadian chart. And that chart is up on my website. If you didn't download it last week, you, could, you can still get it. With the Moon-Mars conjunction of last Saturday, it occurred at 14 degrees of Libra. You would look at the chart and find Libra and see if anything is close to that degree in the chart of Canada. There are no planets directly in Libra, so no direct hit, but across from Libra is Neptune at 14 degrees of Aries. Hmm. And a further scan of the degree numbers, we would also see that Venus in Gemini at 15 degrees is trine to our 14 degrees of Libra. And also there is an inconjunct to Pluto at 15. The resultant, the energy released that Saturday, would definitely have impacted our country. Moving on. Let's look at the slow-moving planets to begin with, because they take time to produce effects and can cause effects to your chart, even when they are making no direct aspect to each other. And also, we'll move from there to the faster-moving visible planets. Okay, so... Pluto, Neptune, Uranus are not visible to the naked eye, but their effect is unmistakable, and the effect is altered by the sign they are traveling through. Because they travel so slow, the experience they produce can cover months and years. Pluto, our slowest planet that we track, takes approximately 248 years to make its way around the sun, as seen from our perspective. Pluto recently entered Capricorn in 2008. Folks with natal planets in this sign have been in turn experiencing his power to transform some aspect of their life. He's now at 20 degrees of Capricorn and you might want to just write that down. I actually have two ladies in the studio today to help me pace this. So just on a side place, yeah, yeah, mark 20 degrees of Capricorn, yeah. Neptune, the next slow planet, takes about 164 years to make a lap around the sun. He is in Pisces at 10 degrees, no, pardon me, 16 degrees, and entered Pisces in 2011. And the girls are wondering, but I don't have all the signs written around. Okay, maybe I'll pause and, no, if I do that, I'll mess up my whole, <laughs> just write them down on the side. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, so where were we? Right, we're at uh, Neptune at 16 degrees. Okay, now what can we expect from Neptune? Shifting the vibrational landscape. Some will experience it as being in la-la land. You are also energetically open or increase sensitivity to the world around you. And it can be hard on the physical body by weakening its ability to defend and can promote spiritual openings. Okay, now the next biggie is Uranus. He's a bit faster moving and can create shocking revolutionary times that are easy to point to. 
Uranus just recently entered Taurus and will be there for approximately six years. He is now at four degrees of Taurus. Taurus is a fixed sign, and this will not likely be a time of enjoyment for those folks. Um, yeah, change is sort of a concept to them. Um, so there'll be some especially shocking times for folks with Taurus planets. For those who have Capricorn, Pisces, or Taurus, you will have conjunctions happening, and that is the direct hit or the strongest hit. These outers also feel by, these also, pardon me, okay, these are also felt um, by the squares and oppositions. So with Capricorn planets, it will also be affecting people with Cancer, Aries, and Libra. And as if you remember from last week, that is our cardinal set of, of, of signs. With Neptune in Pisces, we cover the mutable signs, which are, okay, the opposite to Pisces is Virgo. Uh, then Gemini and Sagittarius will get you the square. Now with Uranus in Taurus, that's the fixed signs. And so Uranus is opposing Scorpio planets, squaring Aquarius and Leo. With a conjunction, this is a personal and as a rule happening to you with an opposition, okay, so if these transiting planets are opposite your planets, you are dealing with it coming through someone as in a relationship that you have with them. With a square, it will come from per persons who are at cross purposes to you. Let's go back to the Canadian chart for an example. Neptune is conjunct our south node currently and just passed a square to Venus in Gemini. Now I have not spoken about the nodes, so a brief synopsis here would be they are a mathematical point that shows where an eclipse will or would happen if the sun or moon were near these points. There are two of them. The north node is said to indicate where we are going, and the south node is indicating where we have come from. So Neptune on Canada's south node, this is the spiritual roots of this country, and they're being revealed at this time. Um, the square to Venus, I believe, speaks to the reconciliation with the indigenous nations that were here before colonization. And that square calls for respect. And of course, just that releasing, which Neptune, what Neptune's doing on our south node is releasing all the pain and the suffering um, that is in our past. And the square to Venus is calling for um, respect to those people. At least that's my take on it. Uranus at four degrees of Taurus is squaring Canada's Mercury at the moment, uh, which is in Leo, and will soon be trining our Mars and Virgo. The square from Uranus looks to me like trade issues that are shocking or disruptive, and it has to do with our resources, which is the source of our power, seeing as Pluto was in Taurus in our inception chart, in 1867. Mercury and Leo, Canada must make a clear statement in regards to communicating what works for this country. No respect, no deal. The visible planets move much faster and have more immediate effects. Saturn, who takes approximately 27 to 28 months to traverse a sign, currently is moving through Capricorn and is about to catch up to transiting Pluto. Saturn will be another year in Capricorn with a brief stint in Aquarius in March. Currently, Saturn is at 15 degrees of Capricorn. Ladies, you can write that one down too. Um, coming out of a square to Mars. Its next major aspect will be a conjunction with Pluto the first week of January 2020. This heralds a new cycle between these two, and this cycle can have wide-ranging significance on the world stage. And lots of astrologers are already beginning to talk about this pair. 
In the fall of 1982 was the last time Pluto and Saturn conjoined. At that time, they were in the sign of Libra. A quick glance at history, we see the Falkland Wars were happening during that Pluto-Saturn conjunction. The U.S. was changing its banking rules, and this was done by President Reagan, and that would lead to the 2008 financial meltdown as he loosened up the banking rules. Um, There were a rise in conflicts in places like Libya, Syria, Lebanon, and Guatemala, and in Canada, the Canadian Act of 1982 was obviously enacted, and this was passed in the Parliament of the United Kingdom, and when it was at the request of the Parliament of Canada, and it patriated Canada's constitution, ending the power of British Parliament to amend the Constitution of Canada. The act also formally ended the request and consent provisions of the Statue of Westminster of 1931 in relation to Canada, whereby the British Parliament had a general power to pass laws that would would extend to Canada as well. Kind of a big deal, uh, like finally standing on our own two feet. Um, In sort of recognition of that, we changed Dominion Day and we changed it to Canada Day. We also, with that conjunction, had our first case of AIDS. Tracking cycles like this one can be very interesting in revealing the qualities of the planets involved and the zodiac sign that they are in. And so with that conjunction being in Libra, that was a relate, Libra is a relational sign. And so what happened in Canada was a very major change in our relationship with Britain. Our next visible planet is Jupiter, known by the ancients as a greater benefic. Jupiter takes 12 years to make a trip around the sun, and so each sign gets approximately a year of lucky opportunities. It also correlates to class groups as in the class of 2019, which graduates after 12 years in school. Most will have been born with Jupiter in the same sign, giving them all a social stamp, your peer group, your un- you are unique to, which, we, which is unique to their class. This past year, we have a group of children with Jupiter in Sagittarius being born. In 2020, Jupiter moves into Capricorn, and the social connection will look a lot different. Knowing how Sagittarius might color the social sensibility of this group could be very useful to school teachers in five to six years time. The class of 2020 will be a group of young people with either Virgo or Libra in Jupiter, or Jupiter in either Virgo or Libra. Next up is Mars. Mars takes two and a bit years to make its circuit around the sun so is in each sign for an average of only 45 days, except when it stations and goes retrograde. Then it can spend up to six months in one sign. Next summer, Mars will enter Aries and be there till the week of January of 2021. Currently, Mars is in Libra. Mars aspecting other planets acts as an energizer and can be a malefic correlated to challenging scenarios. He is the planet of war and also the planet of athletes and needing and wanting to see action. Venus, the other benefic, takes usually 23 days to go through a sign. So every 18 to 19 months, the lights just flickered in here. Oh, somebody just came in. Okay. (laughs) It plays catch up with the others and goes retrograde for 90 days. Uh, Pardon me, for 40 days. At that time, it can spend up to 100 days in the same sign of the sky. In transit, it brings about a principle of inclusion involving unifying, reconciling, or ease in relationships. Objects of desire will be desirable, (laughs) growing or losing of goods as possible. Currently, 
um, Venus just entered Sagittarius. And so um, it's feeling now and what it's going to want to confer to those that it aspects will be freedom and exploration. Mercury also takes about a year to travel around the sun, but he stops three times a year to go retrograde for approximately 20 days. And he is, of course, currently retrograde in Scorpio. This brings us back to the sun. And now an explanation of how sun sign columns are written. On my website, from episode one, you can find a downloadable blank chart wheel. For those who are really keen, I would recommend printing off 12 of them if you want to try to try making your own sun sign predictions. How does it work? Well, to begin, write the number one through 12, starting with the first wedge on the left below the line that runs perpendicular to the bottom of the page. Write number two in the next wedge going in a counterclockwise direction. And so on until you have put 12 in the wedge above number one. Now in number one wedge, write or use the glyph for your sun sign. So let's say you were born in Scorpio. In other words, to say you are Scorpio is only to say that the sun was in the tropical sign of Scorpio. It says nothing else about where the other planets were on the day you were born. But back to filling out the chart. If the first wedge is one and Scorpio, the second wedge, again in a counterclockwise direction, would be Sagittarius. And I'm going to pause here because I've got an example of someone writing this out. Yay, team. Okay. Um, let's see now where are we. The, um, oh, wait a minute. What did we do here? Yeah, Scorpio Sagittarius. Okay, the third wedge would be Capricorn. And I'm just going to pause. When I get to your Virgo, I'll tell you to, you know, start writing. Okay. So we have, um, for Margo, we have the third wedge is Capricorn. The fourth wedge is Aquarius. The fifth wedge, oh, I'll give her a second to write. Yep, we can do this. Oh, somebody's actually trying to call. Oh, well. Um, okay, where are we here? Uh, Aquarius, the fifth wedge would be Pisces. The sixth wedge would be Aries. The seventh would be Taurus. The eighth would be Gemini. The ninth is Cancer. The tenth is Leo. And the eleventh is Virgo. And the last one is Libra in 12. Okay, so for Jenny, you started with Virgo, so number two would be Libra, number three would be Scorpio, and you could actually just look at uh, Margot's to see what would follow Scorpio, because she's got it written down there. Okay, so what astrologers do when they are doing predictions for, let's say, November, or even for predictions for um, an entire year, what they do is they place, or they'll have 12 of these um, sheets of paper filled out, and then they write in where those planets are in the correct wedge. So for instance, um, we know that the sun is in, in Scorpio, so you would write the sun in Scorpio. You would write um, uh, Venus is in Sag, so you would put um, Venus in the Sag square. Um, let's see, Jupiter is in Sag, so it would also be in that um, same wedge. Uh, then we have uh, Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn, so those two planets are there. And it's okay, ladies, I can help you out later. Um, and Neptune is in Pisces, and uh, Uranus is in Taurus. 
Okay, so where are we here? Uh, Oh, and the moon today is in Capricorn as well. Now, the numbered wedge represents places or arenas of life. And in a sun sign column, these arenas are relative to your heart's direction. That's the sun. For those who have the their actual charts, you will quickly see that your chart is not oriented this way, um, unless you were born at sunrise. For those people, sun sign columns work very well. Or if you have two of the three top indicators, which is the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. So for example, if someone was born on a new moon at sunrise, they'd take the prize. Sun sun sign columns will work perfectly for them. Okay, back to the example. We can see that not all wedges or areas of life have planets occupying them. So not all so not as obviously affected by current planetary activity, though that is strictly not true. But for now, let's just look at where the activity is prominent. So for Scorpios right now, three planets are in there. Two of them have been there for a while. And the moon, of course, is going to trip around the entire circle during the course of um, uh, the month. Um, Right now he's in the third arena, and that has to do with local and familiar communication, um, travel, and siblings. And with it being retrograde, then you can expect a little bit of, you know, silliness to be happening there. Saturn and Pluto, long-term transformational changes, are linked with, let me see now, where was Capricorn is in the third house. So again, that will have effects on... um, the uh, relationships that you have with siblings um, and uh, any of your short-term traveling scenarios. So this is how it works. This is where um, these columns come from. So if you create one of these lists and then start going through your favorite magazines or sun sign columns, you can begin to see exactly why they're saying what they're saying. And I'm just paying attention to my time and realizing that, um, okay, I've actually, I am going to move ahead to my own forecasts because I want to have some time at the end not to be going, ah, it's the end of the hour like I did last week. All right, although I think I'm going to, I think I've still got time to put a little bit more of this in. So where did I leave off here? Okay, Uh, my music isn't as good as the music I have at the beginning of the show. Oh, here's a mistake. I should never have done that because now I can't find where I was. (laughs) I will learn new things every time I do this. Okay, I'm just going to plunge in. Um... Oh, right. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. So with the the sun sign columns, there is a shift in focus that has to take place. And so if you're looking at a yearly focus, then you're not going to be particularly caring where the moon is because you're not going to look at the moon 365 days. No, that's not going to happen. And so with big yearly forecasts, what we look at is typically Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, the slower ones, the ones that take time to build meaning and events in people's lives. If it's a month long, then you're going to start looking at probably Mars and Jupiter added into the slower moving outer planets. And then, as is in my case, for a weekly one, I can start paying attention to the moon because I can bring it down to what's actually happening today. And the moon very much has an impact on a daily basis. But I won't often, if ever, mention the big outer planets unless they actually change signs. Then I will include them. So it's all about the focus. And, um, okay, so, yeah, I got 26 minutes, and I will continue on now with, oh, I had a Trudeau example. 
Right. Let's look at another example. Okay, so Trudeau. We have an accurate time chart which gives us a more precise look at what the transiting planets are up to in his life and by extension our country. First, let's look at the sect of his chart. He is on, he has the nocturnal team, are the ones that are going to operate in really positive ways, which is the moon, Mars, and Venus. The sun team, not so much, unless they are below the horizon, which Jupiter is, but sadly, Saturn is a very prominent malefic in his chart. All the conservatives are going, well, we knew that. Watching when his Gemini Saturn gets triggered by transits should be very informative. And I might in the next couple of months actually point that out in my show just so that we can see, um, yeah, how negative that's actually going to be for the country. Saturn in Capricorn will be challenging him in November to put together his coalition. And of course, Mercury retrograde Um, is not going to be of much help. Specifically, Saturn squares his moon in Aries and Uranus in Libra. He is clear with what he is really proposing, if he is clear with what he's really proposing, then the next transiting planet, Jupiter, will deliver success. Transiting Jupiter will conjunct his sun on December the 18th. His coalition, government, and cabinet uh, will probably roll out close to this date. Meanwhile, with pens and hands, you can follow along with Where's That Moon This Week um, from November the 2nd to November the 9th. Okay, 8 a.m. risers. Yes, moon is in Aquarius today. Um, And there was a pleasant sextile to Venus in Sag for coffee this morning which could be dismantled just before lunch when the moon squares Uranus. And I I had the joy of trying to break into the radio station. No, no, I figured it out. Well, it figured it out. Uh, Jarring us all with the news about resources. Lurking in the background and not helping is the run-up of Mars to a square with Pluto as well. This aspect is challenging the balance of power, the ability for power sharing in particular. And so that's a, you know, that's general for all of us. The scenario of the top-down model where someone or gr- someone or a group has all the power will be confronted. Okay. And I was actually reading Oh, dear, that was Sunday. Moon was in Aquarius. I am so sorry. Yeah, okay, so if you, you know, roll back the tape, which you can if you're listening to this other than live, that was Sunday. Wow. Monday. Monday morning, Moon is still in Aquarius and is checking in with everyone's motivation and drive. So be civil today. Why the moon will first square the sun at 2.23 a.m. So that's kind of the way we're waking up. And then sextiling Mars. Um, And of course, we know that Mars is itself coming up to a hard aspect to Pluto. Uh, So being civil on Monday is going to be very important. Overnight, we do get that final square, Mars squaring Pluto. It went exact at night. The fallout or success will be on the news in the morning because obviously that aspect in other time zones in the world um, will have happened during the day. The moon will be squaring uh, the Mercury retrograde at 6.30 a.m. and will check in on the state of foul-ups in progress. So because Mercury is retrograde in Scorpio, that's likely to affect more people that are in fixed signs which is Taurus, Leo, um, Aquarius, and Scorpio, than probably the rest of you folks. The moon then enters Pisces on Tuesday uh, in the afternoon, and martinis should be on the menu. It's true. Uh, Healing and visioning work with Pisces, that's what it's good for. Work, maybe not so much. Um, So, of course, what just ran through my mind is, you know, you're going to be hoping that your surgery isn't scheduled today. Uh, I mean, on Tuesday. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Moon escaping to what? (laughs) 
So you need to figure out what, where you can just sort of chill out on Tuesday. Um, at by midnight, the moon will be sextiling Uranus. Um, I'm not sure moon in Pisces sextiling Uranus. These are the conundrums that astrologers have to come up with. What would that feel like? That would feel very strange. On uh, November the 6th, uh, for all the mutable signs today, drifting through the moon in Pisces, you'll be managing it very well. Whereas the fixed signs, probably not so much. Uh, cardinal signs will feel like they're surrounded by a force field that is blocking their agenda. Um, yeah, because that moon is still in Pisces. Uh, in the evening, the moon will trine the sun and then hints at order with a sextile uh, around 11 p.m. on Wednesday. Anyone asleep by 11 p.m. will have moon conjunct Neptune um, in 37 minutes after uh, midnight. So I do expect that that might invade people's dreamscapes. Um, otherwise, you're probably still drinking that martini if you're still up. Okay, Thursday, November the 7th. Thursday is a bit of a mashup, and the moon in Pisces is probably not going to help much. The sun is linking up to Saturn and Neptune, which are not indicators of good times. Illusion, vision meets reality. This is not a happy combination. This process takes over the morning and the moon adds a hint, a hit to Pluto just to prove that the powers that be do not have a handle on. And I left a blank space there because watching how this, this little day um, happens will give you an idea of the kinds of things that Pluto is trying to transform. Any discussion on just what happened will probably not be clear until the moon um, leaves its aspect with Mercury at uh, two, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. By the time we head home from work, we get moon square Jupiter and a probable uplift, fingers crossed. Friday, November the 8th, Overnight, the fog lifts, and we wake up as the moon moves into Aries. And that particular transition is one of the most dramatic in astrology, where um, because in this tropical style of astrology, which is based on the seasons, going from Pisces to Aries, this is like the end of the cycle, and Aries is that fresh start. So that transition between Pisces and Aries is incredibly stark. Um, and people that have charts where there's a crossover in that can have a distinct kind of split in their personality. Not that that's a bad thing, but where on one moment they can be, you know, sort of like um, in La La Land and the next moment show up as a warrior ready for action. So waking up on Friday morning with an Aries moon is going to have a distinct shift. And for those who, um, you know, are supervisors in that, it's like, oh, God, yes, my staff has shown up. They're actually ready to work. They're not spaced out. So you will be asked, because it is a Friday, to get things going. But wait a minute. The sun is trining Neptune, so the fog is still around and stays till Saturn sextiles Neptune in the evening. Now this began back in October of, um, yeah, began back in October on the 27th. And hopefully, uh, if I think about this particular aspect and I look at where we are in Canada, um, I'm hoping that um, Trudeau hasn't attempted to kind of roll out his new government um, by November the 8th because it's just going to be messy. Um, Saturn sextiling Neptune and then the Sun trining Neptune as well. Um, he could put something out there. It would sound all wonderful, but it would just fall apart terribly. 
Okay, so my recommendation for Friday evening, because there is a pleasant aspect coming up, and that is the moon will be trining that Venus in Sag. So I, a romantic adventure action movie with your best bud would be perfect on Friday evening. Okay, so for next Saturday and my next show, which... Um, I'll just let you folks know that next week is is going to be just strictly a taped show as um, I will be off um, on a quilt retreat, actually. Um, and what I'm going to be talking about on that show are the places, because when you filled out that chart, um, if you rewind the tape and you actually do that little exercise of coming up with your own sun signs, um, a chart that can you can help make your own predictions. The numbers that you put around, 1 through 12, those indicate areas of your life. And so, for instance, if Capricorn in a Scorpio chart is in the third area, the third house has to do with um, just a brief description here of things like siblings, um, communication, Learning, learning things that are um, uh, not like philosophy, but skill-based learning. And um, so those would be activities that the big outer planets are impacting for a Scorpio in a sun sign column. Uh, so, and each of those houses, and that's what I'll do next week, is I am going to um, talk about what each of those houses are, and then if you've got this figured out, then you'll be able to see what arenas that daily life is being impacted by where the planets are today. And everybody's looking, yes, I have lots of time. It's only, I got 13 more minutes. Timing in these shows is everything. Okay, so what I will do, seeing as I have lots of time, is we're going to take a closer look at the Canadian chart because I have time to do that. Okay, so a chart, these are what's called a mundane chart. And uh, most of the major countries where astrology is practiced, there will be charts for those countries. Um, in, for instance, with the U.S., though, there are a couple of charts, um, and astrologers are always constantly debating which one is the chart. Okay, but Canada is pretty straightforward. Obviously, July the 1st, 1867, um, at midnight on July the 1st, in Ottawa, we were declared a country. Okay, and I need a quick sip. So for those who have actually downloaded the chart, you'll be able to follow along really easily. Oh, I bet that sounds weird over the radio. Sorry. Okay, so we have uh, an Aries rising chart um, because it was at midnight and the sun was in Cancer and so it was below the horizon. Neptune, though, um, was very close to Aries, uh, to that Aries ascendant. Uh, it's 14 degrees and the ascendant was 16. And so we are seen as um, obviously a new country and one that has a particularly soft exterior, even though this is an Aries rising, and we can show up and did show up in several, of, well, both the major world wars and were highly um, recognized for our contribution. But that Neptune adds, um, I'm not sure if it's the piece that gives us our, um, you know, we always say we're sorry and we always say thank you. Politeness, that's the word I'm looking for. I wouldn't have thought it did, but maybe it does. Okay, the next piece we have is we have Pluto in the second house, which totally speaks to the power that it gives our country in terms of our resources. Um, that is how we are seen on the world stage as our big contribution to the world. 
We are the second largest landmass, and I forget what the percentage of water that we have, but it's a, it's a lot of fresh water. And so that gives us power on the world stage. Our third house has Venus in Gemini and the moon in Gemini. And this speaks to, the moon in a country chart speaks to the population. And so with the Gemini, we of course get that distinct split between French and English. But I would also say that into that split, we also have to add our indigenous culture as it was here first. And with the recent aspects that have been happening, that's kind of clear, I think, for more people. Now, the next piece, I was really kind of surprised when I printed this chart off. We have Sun conjunct Uranus. And so we can be a country that can put forward onto the world stage innovation um, and shocking innovation from time to time. It also speaks to the fact that, um, you know, we weren't going to stay under uh, colonial rule. Um, that's just not a Uranian thing to do. Um, it needs to be its own unique self. And this does affect the way um, our government is run. And I can see where it's going to be possible um, for our government style to shift periodically rather dramatically, um, where we are probably eventually going to give up the British style of parliament uh, for something else. But it's not likely going to be something that any of us could predict right at the moment. Our communication style is Mercury in Leo. Um, and so having to play second fiddle to this big neighbor, that doesn't really play all that well. And it does speak to the fact that we have rules and stuff in place that guarantees Canadian content. That is totally a Mercury and Leo concept. Our Mars, which is our ability to um, protect ourselves, to be involved in um, uh, asserting our rights. It is in Virgo, and so it's our army, though it's not big, and I often uh, make a little comment about, you know, um, how small our armed forces are uh, relative to this gigantic monster to the south of us. But what we lack in size, we make up for in technical expertise, because this is Mars in Virgo, and so the armed forces that we do have are um, in incredibly proficient for their size. In terms of um, how we relate to other countries, we are known for wanting to foster peace. That's Libra on the 7th. Let's hope we continue with that. Now, because this is a night chart. Um, the next planet that I'm going to talk about is Saturn in Scorpio. And in a night chart, the ancients would see um, a specific malefic planet as causing maximum problems. And for us, that in this country, it is Saturn. And it is Saturn in Scorpio in the 8th. And here we see the conundrum posed by and the mess that we created in the whole colonization um, and the treatment that the indigenous folks uh, experienced. That is a classic Saturn Scorpio not operating in a healthy way where power and the abuse of that power um, wasn't even acknowledged until recently. It was, we were going to change those folks into something that we wanted rather than respecting um, who they actually were. And so hopefully, and that actually is um, an opposition to the Pluto that was in the second house. And it is a lesson that we totally have to follow through in terms of reparations and to be always alert to um, trying to set up a society in which 
one group has more power over another and gets to dictate. Uh, just not a good idea. But it is our lesson. It is a collective lesson um, that we must learn. Okay, and that puts the final planet, which is Jupiter, in Pisces in the 12th. I have five minutes, guys. Still lots of time. <laughs> Okay, so Jupiter is opposite that Mars, and um, it does add that piece of, of um, with our armies and stuff, where Jupiter is about um, a higher calling, and so, you know, the digression when we left sort of peacekeeping into other forays did not go so well, and with Jupiter there, I would recommend that we go back to our roots of being if we're going to be out on the world stage in a active um, way with Mars, Mars being the um, god of war, uh, then we want to do it with that Jupiter in Pisces, which is to promote peace. Um, it's That's kind of a really simple way of putting it. Okay, um, now what's next? I think I mentioned last week that we, with that um, Pluto in Taurus um, at 15 degrees, we do have the planet Uranus, which makes um, takes 84 years to you know trip around the chart. Uranus um, made its conjunction to Pluto back when we were getting involved in the Second World War. And by that time, um, we chose to go into it rather than having, um, in the First World War, we w automatically went to war because Britain went to war. We can all hope that um, the conjunction of Saturn to Pluto, um, which heralded the Falklands War in this past century, um, that it doesn't herald any kind of major conflict in January. Um, but if it does, then we could get dragged into it when Uranus catches up to our Pluto. And that would be, I think I said, 2023. So my vote is that, A, in January of this year, that we are not looking at um, another war. Um, on the global stage. Let's vote no. Let's put all that energy towards um, working on climate and protecting the planet and what species we have left. That would be my vote. Okay, so I can see it's time for me to wrap this show up. So for next week's show, I have Moon Square Saturn. And I hope I have my ducks in a row when it comes to giving you some descriptions of the 12 houses or places. Um, if you do get a chance to get caught up with previous shows um, and have some of those pages downloaded, if you have your own sun sign circle filled in, then uh, you'll be able to follow along with the house descriptions and put those in. And that material can be found at www.cardinalastrology.ca, and that's all one word. You can also make comments there on my shows, um, and you can also find me on Facebook at cardinalastrology.maureen, and Maureen is spelled M-O-R-E-E-N, and my, here we 